I am so glad that you're here today. We are finishing a series we started uh, three weeks ago, uh, just simply called Sex, God's Gift. And um, it, maybe you haven't been here in a few weeks, and you didn't even know we were here on this series, and you walked in and you went, I did not know that. Well, now you know that. Uh, th- that's what we're talking about, and so we're finishing up the series today. But before we do that, I did want to highlight for you a giant opportunity that we have coming in just a few weeks. You know, it's like, how many shopping days do we have left? It's closer than you think. The Gospel According to Scrooge, I think 27th year, something like that. Over 100 people prayed last year to, to start a relationship with Jesus. Super giant, powerful outreach. Um, so I want to encourage you to be involved. You can do that in two very, very simple ways. One is, think now who you can invite. Who can you invite that needs a church home, that needs a relationship with Jesus, that needs to find God again? It is a super powerful way to do that. The other way you can be involved is you can go onto our website, kingwoodchurch.com. You can look at the banner that's scrolling that just simply says uh, the gospel according to Scrooge or Scrooge. Push it, and uh, it will open up for you opportunities to serve. And so here's how you can do that. We want to make sure that our guest experience during uh, the performances is really good because we want people to know how glad we are that they came. And so we're going to have greeters and people who welcome, people just who help people find the right way to go when they're in the building and find their seat and all that. So um, you can serve every night, you can serve one night, you can serve two nights. There's any possible combination that, that your schedule will allow, you can serve. And so I want to invite you to go on there today in the foyer. You can sign up on your way out. There's a uh, table just to your right as you exit this morning. But I want, I want to encourage you to help us there. You can go on to kingwoodchurch.com and sign up anytime you want. Uh, also, I want to mention next Sunday we're starting a new series as we sort of move into this uh, season of gratitude called Thank You Notes. going to be a super, super good series. I want to ask you to join us back for that today, uh, for next Sunday. So uh, if you have something to write with, let me encourage you to to take it out and take a few notes. Um, I just want to catch you up a little bit uh, because last week we we started a message that we're finishing today as we wrapped up the series, and I was just thinking this week, you know, why is it that we struggle so much? Why is it that that this issue, this subject of sex and sexuality, why is it that we, why, why is it, why is it such a big deal and why is it that we struggle with the issue so much and why is it so controversial and, and all of this? I, I'm going to throw an idea out there to you that I'm not ready to like, you know, run for Congress on. But I want to throw an idea out there to you. Here's what I think. Um, the kingdom of God is relational. Marriage is relational. So inside relationships you have things that serve certain functions. And here's what I think. I think that sex is to the marriage relationship what devotions are to our relationship to God. So let me explain that for a minute. A devotions is just where you meet with God alone. Some people call it a prayer closet. Some people call it a quiet time. Some people call it whatever. It's when you find, you make the time to be alone with God, you read the Bible, you pray, you worship, you, you connect with God. It is a very private and intimate time with God. There's nobody else there. It's just you and Him. And so devotions are where we find that, that private time of intimacy with God, but it's where we struggle the most because we're forced to face ourselves. 
That's where, we, that's where we face who we are most often. There's nobody there to pray for us but us, so we're going to have to pray. How are we going to read the Bible? Where are we going to read the Bible? Where should we start reading the Bible? What books should we read? How, how does that work? How do we deal with the parts we don't understand? What does God want from us? How should we act? For something as simple as just being with God, I guarantee you every person in this room has struggled with their own prayer life, their own understanding of Scripture, their own quiet time, their own devotions. And I'm suggesting the reason that we struggle is because it's the place that we're most vulnerable and we deal with ourselves the most. To be, to be so simple, it can become a really complicated thing. Uh, but when you boil it down to uh, sort of living in, in the light of God's love, it boils down to us becoming comfortable with ourselves. Now think about that in the marriage relationship. In a similar way, we struggle sexually because it's the area in our relationship that we're most confronted with ourself. It's the most intimate, it's the most vulnerable. Our insecurities, our desires, our impulses, our dysfunctions are clearest to us at that point. So what God has done, think of this now, in His infinite wisdom, God has given us boundaries around the sexual relationship so, so that he may offer us protection in the place that we're most vulnerable. In the place that we are, are, are most called to face ourselves. So in this series we've said, in the first message, we talked about the blessing of sex. The next message we talked about the brokenness of sex. Last week we started talking about the boundaries of sex. And today we're going to finish that. If you missed any of those, I'd really encourage you to go onto the podcast uh, on iTunes, you can catch up, catch up any of those. So here's kind of what we stated last week. What Jesus said is different than any, what anybody else in the world has ever said. And what makes Jesus' words different than anybody else's words is that he's the only guy that came back from the dead. Right? He's the only one that ever predicted that he'd die and come back and then did it. So that makes retroactively every word he ever spoke different than any, any words anybody else ever spoke. So we have to listen then differently to what Jesus says over what anybody else says. Also in Isaiah the Bible says that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. So we're born in a world that has certain thoughts and certain ways about everything we do including sex. So then when we come to Christ and we come into a relationship with him... What we are called to do is to take on His thoughts and to take on His ways. Because His thoughts and His ways are higher than ours. Now, we've simply called that uh, the circle of successful sex. You know, we've put it up on the screen every week. You can, maybe you can see it here. It's basically just husband and wife. The circle of successful sex. Inside the circle is the, are the boundaries that God has given us to protect our vulnerabilities, and to help us work through those issues. Everything inside the circle is, is, is what God has given us. Everything outside the circle is where battles, is where brokenness comes from. And it's a struggle to stay inside that circle. Now, how do we win? What we said last week, particularly for us men, it really boils down to oftentimes us knowing a woman's heart and so last week we talked about five desires that's in every woman's heart. Now, I want to say this again. I said it last week. If you weren't here, I'll say it again. You actually only have to know one thing about women, and you know all there is to know. 
Wouldn't you love to know what that is? Yes, so would I. Nobody knows what it is. So we're going to have to go with these five things and try to like break it down like that. Thought about that all week and I still couldn't figure out what that one thing is. I don't think anybody knows. Maybe God knows. Maybe, maybe. So there's this book um, that was written in reaction to the book Fifty Shades of Grey called um, uh, Pulling Back the Shades. Okay? And so the idea in this book was that these two Christian lady authors said, we were stunned, one of them said, I was stunned when I found out that Christian women went for this erotica and this book and this movie and all of this. They were stunned. So they said, what, what is it that we could, like, why did that happen and what can, how do we respond? So I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, for those of you, uh, I don't recommend the book or movie at all. Matter of fact, I recommend against it. But if you were, if you, I mean, you know, the millions and millions and millions and millions that sold in film and, and book and writing tells me that there are people in the room that read it and saw it. If you're one of the people, I would just encourage you. I'm not throwing rocks at you. I just encourage you, pick this book up and, and, and read it and, uh, and see what these ladies have to say about it. Now, in the book, they basically say there are five desires in every woman's heart and they give those five desires uh, in an effort to, to help respond to the issue. So here's the five. Last week we did two. This week we'll finish the, the other three. Number one, to escape reality. We talked about that. You can get it on the podcast. The second one is to be cherished by a man. The third one is, and this is new for today, to be protected by a strong man. Now, we live in the South, and that comes with a certain amount of culture. And so I think that every Southern boy craves a home invasion. You know what I'm saying? Like, we'll try to fight you first. We can't. We'll take one of our 12 guns and shoot you 19 times. I mean, you know, you're in the South. That's just kind of how it works in the South. But there's something inside, according to these two ladies, a woman's heart that wants to be protected. And what we learn from that as men is we have to be willing to fight, now watch this, for the heart of our wife. To fight for her heart. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives. Now this is the model. This is the model that the scripture that God himself is giving us for the marriage relationship and the church and how Christ treated the church. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And what? And gave himself up for her. The question is, will you sacrifice? The question inside a woman's heart to her husband is, will you sacrifice for me? Will you fight for me? Will you, will you protect me? Will you help me? Will you, will you sacrifice for me? Will you give up things that you want in order that we might, this relationship might grow strong? See, the whole thing about Fifty Shades of Grey and erotica is the women inside erotica are never cherished. They're used. They're not cherished. Uh, it feels like they might be valued because there's such intense attention put on them, but they're being used. And so as men, we have to learn to fight for our wife's heart. Now look, this isn't just defense. A person, uh, 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 it, it is about protection. Somebody breaks in your house is about protection. But this is also about offense. Will you sacrifice? Will you be like Jesus? Will you lay down your life? Will you sacrifice? All right, so here's the fourth one. To rescue a man. To rescue a man. Here's the fourth desire in a woman's heart. Every man needs help. Ladies, 
You don't even have, what do you have to be afraid of? Every man needs help, right? Yes? Yeah, right? God has put in the heart of every woman the desire to help and to be involved. Look at the creation account. God created everything. There's a, there's a tree, there's a river, there's a creek, there's an ocean, there's a rock, there's a mountain, there's a tree, there's a giraffe, you know, there's an elephant, there's all this. And, 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 he, and everything he created, he said, this is good and this is good and this is good and this is good and this is good. And there's only one thing he said that wasn't good. He looked at man and said, it's not good for you to be by yourself. Is that right? Everything else was good. And a few things were very good. But he looked at me and he said, it's not good for you to be alone. But look, if, if there's no woman, who's going to stop and ask for directions? <laughs> right? God knew there was, had to be something else. He created a woman and said, it's not good for man to be alone. Listen, I will create a helper that is suitable for him. Now listen, ladies, that's not a diminishing role or a secondary role. If you think that role is diminishing or secondary... Don't think that because in the New Testament, we learn that the Holy Spirit himself is called what? The helper. So I can't see a role that has been attached to God, to the third member of the Trinity, as, as a, low, a lower role, a diminished role, an unimportant role, an, an unvaluable role. Women want a man who they can help. Why? Because God put inside the heart of every woman, I'm going to make a helper. It is inside the divine design. So in Ephesians 5, the Bible says, Wives, submit to your husbands. Now, I just want to stop there for a second. What is, what is crazy, what is crazy, is, is that there are women who have a real problem with that scripture, but on the other hand, they pick up books like Fifty Shades of Grey and say, this submission is good. Now, now listen, follow me. But when you compare God's version of submission and this version of submission and bondage and physical beating, it just seems like the biblical version is going to work out better. It's interesting to me that the best the world can come up with is to create a deformed version of God's version of submission. Isn't that interesting? Not even creative enough to come up with something different. I'm going to take the concept God created and I'm going to, I'm going to break it. Women at the end of the day want to know that they can trust their husbands to do the right thing for their family. Right? Right? They want to know that their husband will sacrifice, he will make good decisions, he will encourage, he will help, he will be involved, he will be emotionally involved. The, the need to rescue a man is something, to be honest with you, that confused me for a long time. When I was in youth ministry, it just confused the daylights out of me. Because you, 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 right, you got these girls in the youth group, they love Jesus, they bring their boyfriend to youth service Wednesday night, and he looks like, you know, like the half-brother of Satan. You know what I'm saying? He's got four colors of hair. If he could find it on his body and it would stand still, he'd pierce it. He comes in, he's stone, stoned out. He gets out of the car and beer cans roll out. And he comes in and he's got all this stuff hanging off of him. And he walks in and she looks and says, isn't he cute? And I say, like, I'm so glad that he's here at church. But do you have to date him? Like, I'm so glad 
And, and, and what does she do? She looks at him with these little twinkling eyes and she says, because I've heard it over and over, he needs me. He doesn't think that anybody else here will like him or accept him, so if I don't come to church, he won't come to church. He needs me. Can I tell you what most of my years of youth ministry boil down to? Would you please break up with him? Would you please break up with him? Would you please break up with him? Please break up with that guy. Please break up with him. Would you stop dating him? Please break up with him. So that's what youth ministry is. And I would ask inside my soul, why are these godly young ladies going after people like this. Why? Time and time and time again. And it would boil down to the same thing every time. He needs help and I can help him. I can rescue him. I can help him. I can pull him out of his deepest despair. I want to give you three thoughts about that real quick this morning. Number one, and I say this with all respect, if it took Jesus to pull you out, it's going to take Jesus to pull him out. Like, like you're not a good substitute for Jesus. And, and I want to say this with sincerity, and maybe he can't see Jesus because you're in the way. If you're living a compromising life for him, that confuses everything. It needs to be different. The, the second thing is, there are some people God hasn't called you to reach. I'm just talking like an old youth pastor now. There are some people God hasn't called you to reach, and He won't call you to reach anybody that's going to lead you the wrong way. In other words, what I'm saying is God's not going to sacrifice you for them. There was one sacrifice, and it was Jesus, and it was perfect, and we don't need another one. There's some dads going, oh, thank God, I came to church. Honey, did you hear that? <laughs> oh, she rolls her eyes. Here's the, here's the uh, other thought. I am absolutely convinced, and th this, may, this may be difficult, I'm absolutely convinced the Bible teaches that Christians should not be in a romantic relationship with non-Christians. Like I've, like I've studied the Bible and I've looked at relationships all my adult ministry in life. And, and I came to that conclusion, and I've never changed that conclusion because I actually think... It, so you say, well, where's that in the Bible? Well, I'm glad you asked. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? So let me just kind of translate that. That's almost as plain as it can be written. But let me translate it a little plainer. Your deepest relationships on earth can, with other humans cannot be with unbelievers. You, because when you allow into your life, the deepest part of your life, people who are unbelievers, you are adopting their values. You are receiving their priorities. You are welcoming into your life a whole different worldview. And there's, and there's no way those things are going to work. They're not gonna. They're not gonna. Look, trust me. I grew up in a home. My mom's a believer. My dad's not. Still the same way today. I understand the tension and conflict that that creates. Very, very, very different people with different values, and so you can't. You can't be in complete disagreement on the most important issues that there are in life, 
and have a good relationship. It just, it's just not going to work. Now, uh, that's not called evangelism. That's called compromise. And, and, it, and it has to be worked through. I also think it's true in the deepest of friendships. Now, what's interesting is in this uh, novel, Fifty Shades of Grey, the characters end up falling in love. Now, I haven't read it, but this is what I, what I read about it. The characters end up falling in love. Um, so, at the end, she sort of rescues him, right? But, but, but I want you to hear my heart on this. There's nothing romantic about an abusive man. There's nothing romantic about that. We've romanticized it because we're broken in our culture and we're trying to figure out how to deal with those vulnerabilities I talked about without boundaries. And when you do that, it, it, it all, all runs amok. God wired you, ladies, to be in some form or another inside your own personality a helper. And if you don't channel that the right way, you're going to end up in a bad relationship or making a healthy relationship unhealthy. You'll never impact a man. You'll never change a man. You'll never help a man enough to satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. Only God can do that. So from that place of relationship with God, then has to flow human relationships. And, and guys, on our part, we have to be very careful that as we're fighting for her heart, as we're fighting for her life, as we're sacrificing for her, that we're not taking advantage of her God-giving desire to, to help. So in other words, you know, we, we don't need a mama. We need an equal and we need a partner. But men and women come to relationship from different places looking and needing different things. Let me kind of put it in a, a high school context and, and it's easy to see. She comes to the relationship and she starts with we and has to find me. In other words, uh, all her life she's thought about the day that she would get married and what her wedding would be like and the dress that she would wear. And when she's in high school, she's uh, fiddling around on paper and what is she doing? She's writing her name with his last name. Why? And, and, she's, and she's thinking about and picturing what it's going to be like to be married. And God has wired inside the woman's heart a, she sees the world in plurality. She sees the world in community. She views life through that lens from birth. She's all in. And she's ready to be all in with we. And, but, but ladies, your struggle is to find your individuality. And it's okay to have like friendships outside the marriage. You have to, you have to find your individuality. You start with we and you have to move to me. Guys are exactly the opposite. He starts with me, and he's got to find we, right? He, he starts with a sense of deep individuality. He thinks about his girlfriend in terms of a possession. I have a car, I have a basketball team, I have a, a, a class ring, I have a job, and I have a girlfriend. And I possess them all. And they sort of orbit around me. And he's born with a great sense of individuality, and guys have to move from me to we. They have to move from I, I'm, I'm a guy with a girlfriend to we are one. We are one unit. We are one person. We are one flesh. We are one heart. We are together. So there's this need inside the heart to rescue. Here's the last one. To be sexually alive. This is what the authors of the book wrote. To be sexually alive. Now, look, I know some of the guys said, yes, finally, talk about that. That's what I've been waiting for. We've been wanting. Why doesn't my wife want that? 
Well, it might be because you haven't focused any on the first four. There may be other reasons, but that's, that's a possibility. It might be that you haven't tuned in yet to her heart and her desires and the other things that are there. But look, <laughs> say it like this. Sex is not a bad thing. Sex is a good thing. Matter of fact, it's how we all got here. Like there's not an exception in the room, right? You may think your parents had sex twice when you and your brother were born or whatever. But it's not a bad thing. I mean, pretty much somebody looked at somebody a long time ago and said, hmm, and bam, nine months later, you were here. Right? I mean, that, I mean, that's how it happened. So sex isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. But sexual desires are awesome inside the circle Husband and wife, they are healthy and they are God-given. That's why, we, that's why when I was trying to figure out what are we going to call this, I said, I know what we've got to call it. Sex is God's gift because it's his invention and his creation and his idea and, and, and it used the right way, it's God's gift. Now look, maybe this morning uh, you say, you know, um, that's all great. That's incredible except for one thing. You know, I've been divorced, or I've been abused, or I've been cheated on, or I cheated. You know, what, what about me? How, do, how, do I, how does that gift ever find redemption in my life? And, and, I, and I, there's all, every scenario that you can imagine. Maybe you say this morning, that gift was broken for me from childhood, and my life has been maybe even secretly out of control. How do I ever find what you're saying to be true in my life? How do I ever find that as a gift? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 11. I just want to read this to you, and this is a really, this is a really big deal. Um... This is a really big moment for all of us. I think when we read scriptures like this, we tend to read so much judgment and condemnation in it because we misunderstand the heart of the Father. Right? We misunderstand His intention or that, uh, that He's so serious about sin that we are now alienated. Like this gift and this blessing and what God wants for us is for other people, but it's not for us. And, and, I, and I think we misunderstand the heart of the Father. So I want to take a scripture that we would traditionally think in terms of judgment on. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, in other words, people... Right? This is all outside the circle stuff. Everything outside the circle, really, is what we're going to read. Sexually immoral, nor idolaters, uh, people who have idols, nor adulterers, people who have sex with people they're not married to, uh, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders. Like, none of these people are going to inherit the kingdom. Nor thieves, people who steal, nor the greedy. And that's not even, like, I'm not even sure... How we always even determine that from the outside. Like these are things God has to determine, right? The greedy, I, I mean, nor drunkards, 
nor slanderers, people that just say things about people that are not true. They ruin other people's character. And like, I don't know what else half the modern media is. I don't, know, I don't know how you negotiate that. Nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. This is bad news, right? Here's the good news. And that is what some of you were. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Can I tell you, when I was praying this morning, I, I had the most overwhelming sense that what God wants today is He just wants to connect with you. Like we read that verse on here's all the bad people and here's all the good people. And that's not, that's not how that scripture is written. That scripture says this and 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 this, and this will separate you from God. And that's what some of you were. There's people sitting in this room that were all of those. Thank God it's what you were. But you've been sanctified and you've been washed. You've been... And, and as I prayed this morning, it became so clear to me. It reminds me how much God wants to connect with you. Like there's not one thing on that list that, that, that disqualifies you for God wanting you and wanting to love you and wanting to sanctify you and wanting to wash you and wanting to justify you and wanting to help you. There's not one thing on the list. There's not one thing so big that God says, you're one of those kind of people. You can't be mine. You're one of those kind. There's nothing. Like that's a pretty, pretty big list. Pretty bad stuff. And it just reminds me that God wants you and me and He wants us all and He won't let anything separate us from Him. There's nothing His blood can't cover. There's nothing He can't wash. There's no person too far. There's no... It doesn't matter what you've done or what's hidden or what's secret or what people know or what people don't know. God wants you. God, I feel that so strong. God wants you. Somebody in this room, that's exactly what you needed to hear today. You were convinced that God had rejected you, don't know you were alive, and don't want you. And I'm here to tell you, this is a supernatural moment. I don't even know where you are, but I'm talking to your heart. God wants you. In Jesus' name, He wants you. He loves you and He wants you. My heart's been so overwhelmed this morning with the desire of God to connect with us. And so here's the good thing. There's nothing too big and there's nothing too small. God wants to connect. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. And, and I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. If you would join me here. And here, here's what I just simply want to do. Every eye closed. I just want to talk to you for a minute. And I want to invite you to, to, I want to, invite you to connect with God because I think that's what He's inviting you to do. So, so every eye closed, if you, unless you just absolutely have to leave, please don't leave. And if you just find a place to be comfortable and still, and you'll close your eyes and just listen. Just listen with your heart. 
today, if you're here and you need to connect with God, that's it. That's it. You need to connect with God. Then in just a minute, I'm just going to ask you to, to, to come for prayer. You need to connect with God. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you haven't done. Maybe you've just been going through a lot. Maybe you've been weak and tired. Maybe you've been empty. Maybe, maybe you've done nothing wrong. Maybe you've done everything wrong. And look, in your mind, in your mind you say, but if I, if I, if I come for prayer, like somebody's going to think that I have this or I've done that or I've done the other. Can I tell you something? you got to look past people today and look to God. It, this isn't about who did what or anything else. This is as wide as it can be. You may say, look, that we've done a whole series on sex. And like now, now if I respond, now somebody's going to think, who cares what somebody's going to think? Do you need to connect with God? That's it. That's it. Everything else will work itself out and everybody else can work themselves out. Do you need to connect with God? Every eye closed. It doesn't matter. It may have nothing to do with anything we've talked about in a year. But in this room this morning, you are here and in your soul you say, I've been distant, I've been away, I've been separated, I've been whatever. I need to connect with God today. I have a deep need. I see it. I feel it. I know it. I need to connect with God. Would you just lift your hand and say, I need to connect with God today. I need to. I need to. I need to. Whatever the reason. Come on, just lift it up. I need to. Man, today I need to. Today I need God's voice. Today I need God's heart. Today I need God's word. Today I need God's help. Today. Today. Maybe you're just sick in your body and you're struggling. Today, I need to connect with God. I'm going to pray for you. And if you lifted your hand, the worship team's going to begin to sing in a minute. I just want you to come and let our prayer team agree with you. Lord, I thank you today for the grace of God. And I thank you for the heart of Jesus Christ. You want to connect with us. You want to be with us. You want to love us. You want to wash away. You want to sanctify. You want to restore. You want to renew. You want to put strength in our bodies. You want to sharpen our minds. You want to fill us with the kingdom of God and your plan and heart. So today, God, we surrender to it. If you lifted your hand, I want you to come right now. I want you to step out right now. And I just want you to say, I need to connect with God. Worship team, come on and leave. I need to connect with God.